Welcome back to Secrets in Nature. I'm Rachel. And I'm Lexi. And we've got a great interview today. But before we get into that, I wanted to share it. I In the beginning, I wanted to share affirmations every episode and then I forgot about it, of course. <laughs> um, this isn't really an affirmation, but it is kind of just like a advice. And I found it on Tumblr. So I thought I'd read it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Tumblr. The good old days. By the Tumblr user lesbian ray okay it's so hard to romanticize where you are now and like i get it it always feels like the least beautiful time to be in the worst point in history your flop era etc but it's like not though every day i am amazed at the nostalgia i get for the past where i was objectively worse and more on fire than i am now like it doesn't make sense until you realize nostalgia is often just you feeling regret that you didn't fully experience what you had at that time. And it's a call to enjoy where you are now because it truly is a unique part in your life, no matter what is happening, because life is a fleeting gift, man. <laughs> like it is. A fleeting gift, man. <laughs> I'm trying to read it how she did it. <laughs> experience every moment fully. It's what your future self deserves when she looks back at you now. I thought that was very good. I love that. I love that. She says nostalgia like it's a bad thing, though. I usually feel like it's a good thing. I guess, but I think it's just a reminder that, like, you, let's say 10 years ago, you were depressed, but... I was. You look back <laughs> and you're... <laughs> I was in high school. How could I not be? You think back at a moment, like, let's say we went to the One Direction concert and we're, like, reminiscing about it and we have <gasps> nostalgia. We did do that 10 years ago. Yeah, and we're thinking about it and everything. Like, you're not going to think, oh, I was depressed that time you're just gonna think about oh my god I had so much fun at that concert and that's why like it's just a reminder to live in the moment because you're only gonna remember those good parts of your life it's not gonna so true that's a good one I liked it also we it's like funny that you say like oh like looking back on like 10 years ago because we both just had a birthday I turned 25 Rachel turned 26 and now I'm in my existential crisis mode <laughs> or like quarter life crisis mode. And we were talking and I was saying the older I get, the more I like have a cri- have like an existential crisis because I feel like I don't know who I am and I feel like everybody still knows more than me and everyone that's older like like it still feels like I have a long way to go I guess and Rachel was like the older I get, the more I realize that adults know nothing. <laughs> yeah. And I saw this on Instagram that I loved and I wanted to share it because it genuinely made me feel better about like where I am in life. It said, you don't need to know yourself. You only need to love yourself. And I love that so much. And I'm trying to keep it in mind. And I think I think everyone should. Yeah, I mean, you learn to know yourself more as you get older, but even someone that's 80 will not fully know themselves because you're constantly changing. So how can you know someone that's constantly changing, you know? Well, we're constantly changing. And I also think that like our human brains are obsessed with labels. Like I have to be this girl or I have to be that girl. And these are my interests. And it's like, it doesn't have to be that way. You just have to love yourself. Yeah. I think in when you're younger, especially you're trying to put yourself in a box mm-hmm. of like, I'm this type of person who likes these types of things. I thought I was like the Tumblr bitch. I wasn't, <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to be. Exactly. I think... You can 
every year you can be a different aesthetic you can every, every day, day you could be a different aesthetic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah like I'm hung up on like who am I who do I want to be and I do think that's important to ask yourself like what are my values like what is important to me but at the end of the day we're way too obsessed with labels and we are just human beings and we just need to love ourselves regardless exactly life would be boring if you stayed the same all the time and didn't experiment i know the beauty of it is that we can be whatever we want to be yes anyway we are now one year older one year older one year wiser i don't feel any different i feel no different head is still empty i do think that like it is good to your point in the beginning of the episode it is like very nice to look back on a time and be like wow look how far i've come every year you can do that look how far i've come i I know nothing i still know nothing (laughs) but i'm having fun okay we just have to fake it till we make it oh my god that's That's like what everyone's doing (laughs) i'm not kidding that is that those are words to live by i feel like i have accomplished so much faking it till i make it and if you exemplify i mean i guess this is like the law of attraction really but like if you exemplify the person you want to be and you act like that bitch and you're confident even if you know nothing and you're not her eventually you just will become her you know yeah (laughs) okay this is a little off topic but i wanted to share something that i recently discovered for myself let's hear it it's called dandy blend and it's a coffee alternative because i don't really like drinking coffee every day and i just love it because it tastes just like coffee and it's made from dandelion roots nice i got it off of amazon it's literally dandelion root chicory root barley and rye and it's so good for you it tastes good and it blends in any temperature of water or liquid so it can be like hot or iced yes i feel like you can make lots of things out of dandelion like i've heard of dandelion wine mm-hmm. and like dandelion tea yeah well i've heard like dandelion tea tastes like coffee but this is it's not like you brew it it's a powder that you mix in i just recommend if anyone is trying to not drink caffeine or stop drinking coffee we should have a dandelion series on the podcast where we try all of its different uses and see how and report how it goes we could i mean i think the wine tastes takes like months to make we got time baby we got time so we have the juiciest of interviews today i loved this interview so much and i resonated with this girl so much that i actually ended up signing up for two of her classes that she does online because i'm just hungry for more at this point we interviewed casey goins i found her on tiktok she is a functional nutritionist that helps women gain their power back she helps them balance their hormones and i found her on tiktok like she just came up on my for you page and And the video that came up on my page was so powerful. I saw this video and I literally saved it to my phone because it was like something that I had never even thought of before. So I'm going to read you what she said. She said, women finally realizing that hustle culture has set them up for failure. As cyclical beings, we weren't designed to operate like men. It's no wonder we're all PMSing and struggling with hormonal imbalances. Too much stress on an already stressed body. Food for thought. And I had never, I had never thought of it like that. I had never thought about, 
you know, no wonder like periods are so hard for women when we're like actively working against them. Like, that was my first time really thinking about that. So I sent her a cold DM, never thinking she would respond. And she did. And she was so excited to come on the podcast. And I cannot wait for you guys to hear this interview. Yeah, it was amazing. And unfortunately, I wasn't there to interview her too because I had to work. But Lexi did an amazing job as a single interviewer. <laughs> In your basement. <laughs> yes. I just learned a lot from it and I'm going to have to listen to it again because there's just so much information. It's a lot to take in at once and it's just really important to know as a woman. Yeah, for sure. And I also think that with everything going on in the country right now, I think it's just more of a demand like a collective demand for this kind of information and these ways that we can take our power back as women and just use our own knowledge to feel empowered and know what's best for our bodies I just think that like this is like as a collective we are like demanding information like this and I think it was just such perfect timing that like I was able to connect with her because this is the exact conversation I feel like I needed right now and that so many other women will need right now yeah and she gets into the science parts of things which I personally really love learning about that I think it really just gives you a different perspective. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Secrets in Nature Podcast. Make sure you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and get ready for a great interview and get ready to even listen to it twice to, to make sure this gets in the brainwaves. Yeah. This is good stuff. <laughs> and maybe even take notes. <laughs> yes. No driving during this interview. You need a pen and paper for sure. All right. You can listen to it driving, but then <laughs> write it down later. All right, so without further ado, let's jump into our interview. Welcome, Casey Goins, to Secrets in Nature. I am so excited to have you here. I was just telling you, I don't think I've ever been so excited for an interview before. Um, I found you on TikTok, and here we are. So I'm so excited. And I want you to start off by telling our listeners what it is that you do. Yes, it's a loaded question. Um, first of all, I'm really excited to be here and to be doing this with you and diving in. Um, TikTok is something I've been experimenting with, so I love that you found me there. Um, so basically, long story short, um, I am a former physician assistant turned functional nutritionist. So uh, basically, I have a background in Western medicine and pivoted away from that a few years ago uh, to, to really help women heal their bodies through food, through lifestyle. Um, and so what we do is we focus on women's hormones. So everything from PCOS to getting off of birth control to painful, heavy periods. And we use a, a root cause nutrition lifestyle approach to really help heal the body from the inside out. What happened along your career path that made the switch? Yeah, for me, it was, I got two years into practicing medicine and I was like, there's gotta be more to health than this. I felt like I was pill pushing. I felt like I was writing thousands of prescriptions for things that really could be solved naturally and holistically, but I didn't really understand like how to put those pieces in place. And it wasn't until I you know, really got educated, like down the functional medicine path that I was like, okay, all of these pieces are starting to click and make sense about, um, you know, using a root cause approach. Um, what I was really finding that I was, that I was burned out doing in modern medicine, not just pill pushing, but like seeing women like file through my office and like the look on their faces when it's like, this is all I can offer you. And I was like, that's just, it's not good enough for me. 
Yeah, totally. Do you think that your approach now is kind of a mixture of both Western and holistic medicine? Or would you say you're more on the holistic side? I would say now I'm on, I'm more on the holistic side. There is definitely a time and a place for medication. There's totally a time and a place for, you know, like emergency room visits and things like that. Like, of course we need Western medicine, but when it comes to chronic health conditions, there are so many layers that we have to peel back when it comes to someone's health. And all of those layers look different for every single person. And that's the fun part of it. Um, so definitely more of like a holistic, like, like let's dig into how are you eating? How are you sleeping? Is your stress managed? Like, is there a history of trauma? Um, do you have a history of mold exposure? Like all of these different layers that we have to peel back in, in creating a very well-rounded approach. So I have clients that are on medications that don't want to come off of medications. That's completely fine. Like totally fine mm. with that. But there's so much that we can do when it comes to managing chronic health and especially women's health and the female reproductive system um, where we can avoid that path if we want to. For sure. And do you think like the clients that you work with, they come to you with symptoms, with issues that they want to resolve? Or maybe they just want better relationships with their bodies. Like I know for me personally, like I don't have any issues. But like the more I learn, the more I'm like, oh, we we really weren't educated to know our bodies or especially as women. Like I learned the names of the phases of the cycle this year and I'm almost 25. So I just think that we're in a place right now where we're realizing there's been a lack of information and more women. Maybe they have a problem. Maybe they don't, but they just want to learn more. So when you work with a client, what does the time frame, I'm sure every woman is different, but what, what does like a time frame look like of someone that's starting to like build from the ground up, like a relationship with their body? Yeah. So on average, it's somewhere between three and six months or so. Oh, I was expecting you to say like years. (laughs) Well, so three, so three to six months to really get their footing. It it depends on the state that the body is in. So, you know, if someone had come to us and they've got, um, uh, you know, just decades of symptoms and, you know, they've, you know, maybe not been eating well and, and they don't understand their body. I mean, it can really take a couple of years to get into a really good groove where you feel like you've got it all down. I've had some clients that are like eight weeks in and they're just, they just like, no, like they just know it all. <laughs> so it totally depends on the person. So when I work one-on-one with clients, just to give you some context, it's usually about a four month time frame. Um, okay. And it just depends on how fast or how slow they want to take it and how fast or, you know, how fast or slow their body wants to take it. So do you think the the women that you mentioned that seem to like pick up on it right away, do you think that's like intuitive kind of? I feel like partly the more that we, the more that we are really committed to our health and the more that we really dive into, you know, just, just that commitment piece. Um, and, and the more that we start to integrate pieces into our life, the more easily it comes to us. It's just like riding a bike, you know, the more that you do something, the more that you practice at it, the better you get at it. And then it's ingrained forever. That makes sense. So I was looking at your website and the different um, services you offer. So you do accept one-on-one clients. Um, and then you also have something called the hormone reset method, where you teach women how to be in tune with their hormones and give their body what they need in order to balance their hormones. Is that yep. right? I'm, I'm yep. sure you would word it way better than <laughs> me. But then you also have programs where you can learn about minerals, like at a more basic mm-hmm. level. And I just think that the work you're doing is so it's like insane to me that it's not more common, like insane to me. Um, So I want you to talk about what was the first service that you created or the first program that you created? Was that the hormone reset method? 
No. So it was that, well, it was actually one-on-one, but, um, so one-on-one. And then what we did is we moved into like a four week boot style camp program. And then I I built that out into the, the hormone reset method that you see today. Um, so that would be, I guess, probably the second thing. Okay. And what do, what do these programs give us like the gist? What do they look like? What, what would I learn if I was in there? So the hormone reset method, this is basically, um, kind of a, a little bit of a step down from working in a more intimate private coaching one-on-one capacity, but it's still going to give you all the tools that you need to be able to balance your hormones. So for women with PCOS, for women with estrogen dominance and, you know, painful, heavy, long cycles, low progesterone, hair loss, like all the things, um, this is getting all of the pieces in place that your hormones really need to thrive. So we walk you through, you know, what does our, what does our menstrual cycle even look like? What are your, like, what are the natural hormone shifts that are supposed to happen, which is a conversation we could probably get really deep into. I want to, that's literally what yeah, I want to talk about. This it. is stuff we should be learning in like middle school health, A hundred percent. but you know, I'm in my twenties, don't know a thing about it. So I really want to yeah. get into it. Yeah. And I, I love talking about that aspect of things. Um, but we really look at things from a, a metabolic standpoint. So the metabolism is really what makes our bodies run and function. The thyroid is kind of the seat of that or the center of that. Mm -hmm. So if our thyroid is not performing optimally, our metabolism is a little bit dysfunctional. Our hormones are going to suffer the consequences. So we kind of look at, at that rebuilding process, uh, in terms of like getting your, your, nutrient, uh, you know, status in place, getting your minerals balanced. That's a huge part of it. Um, you know, working through optimizing your gut health and your gut microbiome, working on optimizing your liver health, your thyroid health, your lifestyle, your sleep, like all of those pieces that kind of go along with it. Um, and does that normally, can that look like supplements? Can it look like Mm -hmm. just knowing what to buy at the grocery store, all of the above, all of the above, all of the above. Yes. Yep. So like a, kind of like a one or a a, a one-stop shop in a way. Gotcha. Um, so you, you're teaching, you're helping, you're guiding women to tap into knowing what their body needs rather than putting band-aids over like symptoms. Absolutely. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And I find that when it comes to like, when it comes to like women's health and, and women's hormones, and this is something that's, that's really been um, prevalent for me lately with the Supreme court rulings and kind of all of, we can get into that if you want. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So it's, but it's been more like in my face recently that for like, as women, for us, we really are in this culture of like disempowerment, you know, where we go to the doctor's office and like our symptoms are downplayed, you know, and like, it's all in your head. This is inevitable. This is just part of being a woman. And it's very like disempowering and kind of hopeless feeling if I'm being honest. Um, and I've been on that side of the table. Like I know what it feels like to be told, like your labs are normal, you know, it'll be fine. Just keep doing what you're doing. And it's like, that's like, that's not, that's not setting people up for health. And so we want to create this environment in this space of empowerment in your health and like putting the power back in your hands where you feel safe enough and you feel comfortable enough to, you know, to really, uh, to really take back your health in the way that feels best for you. You know, we've got messages coming at us from, you know, modern medicine about like just taking birth control or having surgery or do nothing. And those are like your only options. And then we also have messages on the other uh, spectrum from diet culture, where it's like, you're not working hard enough. You have to do more. You have to restrict more. You need to eliminate these foods. And it just feels like it's such a stressful place. It's so overwhelming. It's so overwhelming. And so we create just this, this bubble of like overwhelm 
And that just kind of fuels us down the line of like more disempowerment. And so instead we want to look at it from, you know, a place of like, what can I add in, you know, how can I get in tune with my own body and what I need to thrive and how can I make this sustainable and how can I feel like I'm doing this for me? I'm committed to me and I'm, I'm really taking my power back. I absolutely love that. I love keyword empowerment. I have that word in so many of my questions, so I can't wait to get into it. Let's start with nutrition because I think that especially like social media is can obviously be a blessing, but I also find it to be so overwhelming because you follow these accounts and depending on what video you come across, one person could say, do this. Another person will say, don't do that, do this. And it just goes on and on and on. So it's like, well, what is healthy? Is it what this person is saying is healthy or is it what this person is saying is healthy? So that can be incredibly overwhelming. And I know that everybody is different at, at the end of the day. So when you work with clients, I'm, I'm assuming there is no one size fits all. So is it a lot of like trial and error or how, how do we develop a nutrition practice that we know is best for our bodies? Yeah, I love that question. Um, so we look at things from a biology physiology first approach. So it's kind of taking things down to the nitty gritty level of like, what do your cells need to function? Cause we're all made up of cells at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And so in, you know, in its most basic form, our cells all need the same things. The difference is that we are different cultures. We come from different backgrounds. We have different stressors. We've gone through different life experiences, and those are all going to impact our body in different ways. So, you know, so when it really comes down to it, we all need basic things. We need really nutrient dense foods. We need minerals. We need balanced blood sugar. You know, we need animal protein. We need carbs. We need all the macronutrients, um, but where the individual differences will come from is like, okay, I, I hate, you know, eating fish. I'm not going to make you eat fish, you know? So mm-hmm. we need to individualize it in a way where you can still get the nutrients from fish, but from different foods, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And do you think that because you, I, I see on your social media a lot, you're very against like the elimination Like you need to eliminate dairy, you need to eliminate sugar. Like that's not your approach at all. So do you think that the root of our issues, specifically as Americans, is from a lack of certain things rather than like, it's not because you're doing this, it's because maybe your body needs this and you're not giving it to it. Is that more of like where it comes from? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's kind of twofold. So the the root, if you, the root cause at the end of the day is stress on the body. I mean, if you want to boil it down to one thing, it's stress, but stress can take on multiple different forms. So we all think of stress and we're like, you know, well, like my job is not super stressful and like my relationships are not super stressful, but we have internal stressors too. So if you're skipping meals, that's a stressor. If you are under eating, that's a stressor. If you're not getting enough minerals, that's a stressor. So we have to think about these internal stressors that we create for ourselves. Um, and so part of that comes down to, so one, yes, we are lacking so many things, And it's because we've gotten used to a very like standard American, like westernized diet where it's like grab something quick, um, you know, have coffee for breakfast, skip lunch. And these things are going to create an internal uh, environment of inflammation and kind of chaos in the body. But we also have you know, so, so not only are we like gravitating towards more of that, like quick convenience, like westernized way of doing things. Um, we also have where we're lacking certain nutrients. Many of us are not eating organ meats. Many of us are not eating shellfish and oysters and, you know, like 
whole foods essentially. And many of us are not getting enough minerals in our diet to make up for the amount of stress that we're under. So I think it's kind of like a spectrum of both. And of course, marketing doesn't, doesn't help, Mm -mm. you know, marketing and the media and the way that things are labeled now is, is very deceiving. And so that doesn't help when we are trying to, you know, quote unquote, get, get healthier. Um, that doesn't, that doesn't help either. Yeah, totally. And you know, the, the way we eat has changed so much in the last hundred years, 50 years compared to the rest of human history. So do you think that the way we're eating, this might be like kind of a loaded question, but it just came to me. Um, do you think like what we're eating and the way our, our, like our bodies aren't evolving fast enough for the insane change that has happened in such a short period of time? Do you think that has something to do with it? It could have something to do with it. Um, and, you know, really the approach that we take is like, we want to go back to the way that our ancestors used to eat, you know, yes. where they raised their own livestock, they grew their own, you know, vegetables, they ate, ate certain things when they were in season, they stored up for the winter, they ate saturated fats, they ate butter, they ate, you know, raw milk and things like that. And, and our culture demonizes these things now. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't necessarily think that it's, it's, you know, from the fact that our body hasn't caught up, I think that we you know, marketing is an industry. And I think, I think we've made it out, made food out to be something that it's not. And we really just need to go back to our roots. You know, our ancestors, if you look back hundreds of years, they were, you know, their cancer wasn't as prevalent. The rates of autoimmune diseases now are astronomical Mm -hmm. and they are expanding year after year after year. And instead of looking at, you know, our diet and our stressors as the cause, we just continue to pump out more medications, you know, so we really want to go back to that, that uh, traditional way that our ancestors used to eat. Yeah. I, I grew up with like these beliefs that like butter was horrible for you and heavy cream. Oh my God. I would never put heavy, like things like that. I just like grew up thinking we're so unhealthy. And, and the more I, see even though it's hard to know like who to trust and who not to trust but the more I learn and the more I see it seems like that is needed for balance like the dairy and things like butter and things like cream are needed for balance in a meal you're you're on the right track you know it's so if we look at something if we look at like the butter example you know a couple of different ways to think about it so one saturated fat is needed to create hormones our hormones are derived from cholesterol we get cholesterol from fat from the food that we eat so that's where a low-fat diet is not great for hormone creation um if you actually look at at the steroid hormone pathway they're all derived from cholesterol so we need that um but then also kind of looking at butter was butter has been demonized since the 50s when Ansel Keys decided that uh, polyunsaturated fats, so you know waste products like canola oil and vegetable oil, were healthier for people than mm. saturated. So was it marketing? Butter. Like they wanted to marketing. push the canola? Mm. Oh marketing. my gosh! So butter's been yeah. demonized from a marketing standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, so canola oil um, or uh, cottonseed oil was actually a waste product of like the soap making industry. They didn't Mm. know what to do with it. And so we found out that we could turn it into a food substance and marketing took off with it. And the, you know, American Heart Association caught up with it. And we still have, you look at a bottle of canola oil in the grocery store and it says heart healthy right on the front. But when we look at the way that polyunsaturated fats work in the body, create uh, free radical damage and oxidative stress and inflammation, we go back to butter, <laughs> like you know, it's, yeah. it's, we go back to the way that our ancestors used to eat. Um, but there is a difference. 
you know, big difference between like the, you know, I can't believe it's not butter margarine spread and like a grass fed, like a good high quality grass fed butter, big difference there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I feel like, and this could apply to even birth control too, like the power that marketing has and literally anything could be labeled as healthy, like Cheerios, heart healthy. Right. And they're like incredibly damaging to your body. Yeah. So that's, that's part of it too. You know, when we look at traditional or common, I guess I should say bread products, cereal products, things that are grain-based or wheat-based, part of that is a lot of those Cheerios is not one of them, but it, it just kind of like triggered me to thinking along those lines. Mm-hmm. But um, a lot of those wheat-based products are enriched, you know, so they've been fortified with iron, for example, uh, your body recycles iron and the iron that you find in an enriched bread product is literally like shavings of iron. Like you can pull it with a magnet if you want to, oh and that God. has to go somewhere in our body that has to be stored somewhere. It gets stored up in our tissues. So again, we just another recipe for inflammation. I thought, cause I know some people can also be iron deficient. So there also can be like the other extreme of like having way too much iron in your body. It's complicated. The body has a built-in iron recycling process. We only technically, we only need like one to two milligrams of dietary iron per day. And our body recycles about 24 to 25 of that, uh, 25, 24 to 25 milligrams of iron. The thing is that most people are lacking real vitamin A retinol, which you're going to find in organ meats, egg yolks, dairy products, things like that. And we're also lacking in bioavailable copper. So we need copper and vitamin A to support the iron recycling system. So a lot of times I'll run like, so for example, I'll run labs on clients where, you know, it might look like their iron is on the low end of the spectrum, but it's because they're, it's because they don't have enough copper and vitamin A to recycle the iron that's, that they do have. Right. So it is complex. It's very complex, but, um, you know, I, I think iron I think like true iron deficiency is a little bit of a misnomer, especially if your diet is really high in foods that have been fortified with iron. Um, this, this also might be kind of a loaded question. Do you think that, I mean, I'm sure mental illness has been around since, you know, humans have been around, but do you think the fact that anxiety and depression is so common now, do you think that has anything to do with nutrient deficiency? I do. I do. I think that's part of it. I is that controversial? That, I don't even It's <laughs> probably, probably controversial. I don't know. But um, I think there's a lot of factors at play. Um, I think for sure the way that we eat is a huge one, um, especially in like teenagers and stuff, you know, because we're swinging through McDonald's all the time and like, you know, kind of filling up on like processed foods and stuff like that. But I also think that there's a huge component of our lifestyle and the way that we live. Like we don't see as much sunlight as we should. And we're sitting on the screen all day and we're on social media six hours of the day, comparing ourselves to other people. Like, of course that's going to impact our mental health. Yeah. Like the hits of dopamine that we're like, we, we have Mm -hmm. access to at any time definitely has to take a toll. But I always wondered if, if nutrient deficiency played a part since there's so many foods, like you said, that we used to eat at one time, but like the average person just doesn't eat anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I have had, I've had some clients, um, I've had a couple in particular that really struggled with, um, depression or like social anxiety and just by replacing their minerals and balancing their blood sugar and getting more nutrients in their diet that like totally disappeared. 
Wow. That's fascinating. It's, it's cool. <laughs> um, and I, okay. I want to circle back to the marketing discussion and because I thought of birth control being another example of something that I'm sure when it was invented was like pull, uh, pill pushing as you call it. And, you know, especially with everything that's going on right now in our country, I am 100% in support of access to these things for everyone. You know, having the choice to be on birth control if you choose is empowering. Yep. But the reality of it is complicated. And I have, I've been having so many like overwhelming mixed emotions about this topic lately, because while the thought of women not being empowered in their decision and potentially not having access to things like birth control is heartbreaking, it's also heartbreaking to think about like the lack of knowledge, like we talked about earlier, that women and young girls have when they are put on birth control to begin with. And, you know, no one tells them the processes of what it's going to do to your body And you could even like take birth control out of the equation and no one's teaching young women what happens in their body during their cycle, period. No pun intended. (laughs) Um, But I didn't know, like I said, I didn't even know the names of the four phases of the cycle until this year. And it's like the most natural and beautiful thing my body is capable of. So, you know, maybe, and you, you can argue that maybe like women could do their own research, but like I was 15 when I was put on birth control. Like you can't expect like these young girls, it's on, you're on your own. You got to like learn about it yourself. Like, you know, I was 15. I was not sexually active. I just had a really heavy period. I was bleeding through in school every day. And that was the solution. Like, oh, like my, my dad had to bring me tampons to, and changes of clothes to school multiple times. And the solution was birth control. Like, this is what we're going to do for you. And it'll just stop. And I was taught nothing. <laughs> and I, I've still, it's been 10 years and I'm still on it. And, and that is the opposite of empowerment to me because the lack of knowledge then creates a disconnect between you and your body. So that's why I was so excited to have you on the podcast and talk about this because I I feel like this is such an important conversation that no one's having and I just want to like bless it from the rooftops. So I want to know your take, your take on the pill pushing of birth control. Yeah, uh, we got, gosh, we could probably spend days on this. Um, (laughs) I love this. I love this topic so much, but like, I will say your story is very similar to mine. So I was, I was also started birth control. I think I was 16 for really heavy periods, missing school every single month because of cramps could not get out of bed. And that was the answer, but like, we take it so willingly and almost blindly. Like I didn't know anything when I was 16, Mm -hmm. you know? And so when your doctor is like, well, we'll put you on birth control and it will take all the symptoms away. You're like, great. Awesome. I'm Mm -hmm. so excited. I can't wait for this, you know? And then here I am at, I think I got off of birth control at like 28, somewhere around there. So I had been on birth control for more than 12 years and I did not know my body off of birth control. And that really bothers me. Um, and even getting off of birth control was like a fight with my gynecologist. And they were like, well, you could get pregnant any second. Are you sure you want to do this? Like, what are your methods for family planning? See you back in a month when you're, when your pregnancy test is positive. And my gynecologist just told me the same thing. I literally went there a month ago. I told her, I was like, Hey, this is what I want to do. What tips do you have for me? Not like, should I, or shouldn't I, I was like, this is what I want. What tips you have for me? And she, she looked at me and she was like, I can't imagine why you want to do that. I like didn't know what to say. And she like gave me like 
a brochure for like a copper IUD. And she said, if you're not on the pill, this is what I think you should go on. And like, that was it. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) That's what, that's what you're telling me. I'm sorry. Continue your story. But I had the same exact experience. It's honestly, it blows my mind. And like talking about that and knowing the amount of women that have had the exact same experience, like blows my freaking mind. And there is, there's so much disempowerment. Like we, like I started having periods at age 13 and I didn't know how my cycle worked until I was late into my twenties. And I've had clients that are like, they're in their early forties and they're just finding out how their hormones work. And I'm like, this is like, this should not even be legal. No, <laughs> like, oh It's God. so important to have this conversation. Um, and I think, you know, with, with Roe versus Wade and the overturn and, you know, the, the access to birth control and all of these, all of these things, like we really should be teaching young women, the fertility awareness method, um, and really how to track your cycles naturally and how to identify if you're ovulating and how to track your temperatures, um, and you know, where you should be looking for symptoms. And, um, I think that's a conversation that should be had a lot earlier. The other part of me is like, would me at 15, take that conversation seriously. I don't like knowing that I knowing that like birth control was an out for preventing pregnancy. I don't know. I probably you know? wouldn't have as a teenager. Yeah. Which and is I sad, but it, but it's, but it's kind of the truth. Um, and so I think, I think part of, you know, part of the conversation and part of like, like my mission and, and really like where my passion is, is not just helping women who really want to know their bodies and really get their hormones in check and, you know, have regular periods and really easy cycles and have more freedom in their lives. Um, but so that they can pass that down to their daughters, you know, so that they can pass that to their sisters and their, their friends and like getting goosebumps thinking about it. I did too. The education needs to run deeper. It needs to have a ripple effect. And that's how it used to be. Like women were very in tune and they did pass it on to their daughters and their sisters and their friends. And it's just like, like, how did this happen? It just like, I I do want to blame mostly like the money-making of it all. You know, it definitely like the companies profited off of us, not doing it ourselves and using the pill. I also think it's like a very patriarchal thing, yes. which like I do want to get into because this and this is the most important topic of the hour, because this is how I this is the video that came up on my for you page. But basically, you posted a video to TikTok where you said that hustle culture is setting women up for failure yeah. because we weren't designed to operate like men. And you said there's no women, there's no wonder that women struggle so much in their menstrual cycles because we are actively working against it every single day. And that take was so fascinating to me because when you think about it, you know, the nine to five work life, the structure of our society, our capitalistic society, it works great for a man because they have 24 hour circadian rhythms and women are cyclical beings that work off of an infradian rhythm. And the phase of our cycle that we are in quite literally changes how we feel, how it works. It changes everything. And that changes by the week. So it's insane that we are expected to function in the same way as men, even though two completely different processes are at play. And I personally already believed that women, because our body's natural functions are not frequently discussed, we run from them, we try to hide from them, we suppress them, we bury them. And because this has been the norm for quite some time, it, I already believed that it was possible for it to manifest in other ways and be reflected in society and in our lives and in our self-confidence even. Yeah. And I think that just thinking about like the nine to five work life and 
I think that's a very tangible example of how we've been dishonoring our body's natural processes. So how do you think the process of helping women become empowered and connected to our bodies can literally change the world we live in for the better? Yeah, it's, oh, it changes everything. Like it literally changes everything. Um, I, I think that like most of us as women, like we don't realize how much our cycle plays into every different facet of our life. When we think about it, it really is, it really is a patriarchy. It really is because men have this 24 hour clock, right? They wake up in the morning, their testosterone is highest in the morning. It starts to dip off around like one, two in the afternoon. And it's basically like gone by nighttime. So, and and then the process repeats itself the next day, the next day, the next day, and we shift all the time. So like I just finished my, my menstrual cycle just like two days ago. And so I'm entering my follicular phase. My energy is starting to rise as I get near ovulation. My energy is going to be prime. That's going to be, you know, the time for like getting things done and being more social and scheduling more things. Um, and then as, as I enter my luteal phase and the late half of my luteal phase into my next menstrual cycle, like my energy is going to be low and I'm not going to feel like peopling. Um, I'm, I'm going to want to draw more inward. Yeah. (laughs) It's going to be more of like an introspective time and that's how it should be. And that's how we should be operating in our workplace too. You know? So for example, it sounds like a dream to be able to adjust your work life accordingly. It sounds like a dream. And I don't know that it will ever be like a thing, but I also think like the pandemic has changed so much for people. Um, I actually was on Instagram the other day and I don't know who it is, but someone, someone was creating a business and when they hire women in allowing them to work and operate with their menstrual cycle, because there are like, we're going to be more creative, um, when our estrogen levels are rising and we're going to feel more like doing admin tasks when our progesterone is higher. Um, we're going to feel more like brainstorming in our follicular phase. And we're going to feel more like tying up loose ends in our luteal phase. And so we're constantly just kind of in this ebb and flow and back and forth. And this is really where like productivity hacking comes from. It's like the female biohacking essentially, but like, this is where productivity is better and our relationships get better and our communication gets better because we know where our hormones are at and we can respond accordingly. Yeah. And that just seems like a, like you said, like, it's like a a hack, like you would be able to get the most out of us if you you had workplaces like this. (laughs) So it seems insane to me. Like that seems so far off in the future, a society like that. But I just think conversations like this, like if everyone was having them, imagine how far that would take us, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think it would, it would change so much, you know, and especially again, like with the start of the pandemic, there are more women in more women entrepreneurs like than ever before, you know, Mm -hmm. and if we can, if we can just as one person bring this to our businesses or something like that, like we can have an impact even just, even just there. Totally. Can you feel when you're entering a new phase of your cycle? Like, can you actually physically feel the differences? Now I can. Yeah. So it was really interesting because as soon as I got off of birth control, I was like, I was like feeling everything. I was like, Oh my God, like my libido came back and like, you know, noticing around my menstrual cycle, like right before my period hit, I was like exhausted, like so tired, Um, which is normal. It's not something to be like vilified. 
right? Mm-hmm. It's normal, but at the same time, like too like too much of that can be a little bit of imbalance too. And okay. meaning that you need to like if you're like done, like checked out, totally drained on your period, there may need to be a little bit more support in the ovulatory phase, the luteal phase, kind of prepping you into that menstrual cycle. Um Got it because we also don't want to go into our menstrual cycle, like still pushing our bodies really hardcore. Um, but yeah, I, I, I can feel those shifts now and it's, it's lessened, um, being off of birth control and like knowing how to like knowing how food supports your body and knowing how to work and live to support your hormones and support your body. I'm not exhausted. Like I was on my period at the beginning. Now it's more of like, okay, my energy is a little bit lower, but I can still get things done because my body is, is better prepped for it. Yeah. I also think like if you were very exhausted and you had cramps, I think while while I think it's amazing that you're sharing this knowledge of like, oh, but if you support your body in this way, you can actually like create less of that. But I also think just having the mindset of like, oh my God, like I hate this. Like I don't want to get like, we have vilified our period so much. And I feel like there's no way that's helping. Like there's no way dreading every bit of it is helping. You know? It's not. It's <laughs> not. And I think, again, I think a lot of that is just the culture that we live in. Um, because I remember, like, I remember as a teenager, you know, we would talk about, um, it, we would talk about it being like Eve's curse, right? And so we look at it with this really like <laughs> negative mindset That's of awful, like, this, yeah, yeah, like this is like the worst thing ever, and like you know, dreading our periods and we hate them. But if like just even a simple perspective shift of like this is telling me something about if my body is working right, or if I need to give it more support and more attention. And I don't know if you've ever read, there's a book called the fifth vital sign. Um, but it, it really is like our menstrual cycle is our fifth vital sign, you know, so knowing what's going on with your, with your body and with your hormonal shifts is just as important as knowing if you have 102 degree fever, it's just as important as knowing if you have hypertension. Like, so this is, it's almost like a report card that we get every month that tells us like, Hey, what you're doing is working. Or oh like, gosh. Hey, I need to And it's just given to us. We just have to choose yeah. whether or not we want to pay attention. Exactly. Oh my gosh, that's insane. So hormones and diet and minerals can be a lot for someone who doesn't know a lot to to chew on. So, and not everyone, not everyone also has like a practitioner to guide them and help them. So what would you say if you could put into like the simplest of terms, like, what do you think something small a woman could do is to start to reconnect with her body? Ooh, that's a great question. The first step, if you will. Well, it it depends. Are you looking for more of like, you know, getting more in touch with your body? Are you looking for like a practical like food thing (laughs) or both? Either one, either one. I feel like they go hand in hand. They do go hand in hand. Um, So if, so getting more in touch with your body, I would say like, I would say like one super easy place to start is just tracking your cycle. Um, If that's not something that you're actively doing. Um, I have an app on my phone and it's, it's really easy to track your cycle that way. I do it using the fertility awareness method. So trying to avoid pregnancy where I'm tracking temperatures every single morning to look at trends. Mm -hmm. But if you're not even used to tracking your cycle, like that can be a really simple place to start. And with that, if you get an app that allows you to log symptoms, you might see patterns if you are someone who's symptomatic. So maybe you notice like, you know, every, every month you start to notice your anxiety gets really high around ovulation. Like there's a connection Mm. there. So it can help you identify like which phases need a little bit more support. And then like on, you know, like a practical, like food, 
side of things. Um, one thing that we have gotten really bad about as a culture is just eating regular meals. So like, can you eat breakfast within an hour of waking up? And can mm. you actually get three square meals a day? Because I think so many people are just used to like, I'll grab a cup of coffee and I won't eat until lunchtime or they, you know, miss breakfast and lunch and they only eat dinner. And like, that's just causing a lot of chaos in the body. So like even just eating regular meals can do so much good. Yeah. And that seems so simple, but like, no, a lot of people don't do it. Yeah. I so badly want to start tracking my cycle, but I haven't had a period in years. (laughs) I haven't had a period in years. And I also just recently learned that when you're on birth control, you are in one phase of the cycle permanently. And I didn't, again, put that on the list of things I just didn't know until, until now. And I've been on it for 10 years. So I think it's the luteal phase that you're just permanently in. Can you explain that to me? Like, what is the luteal phase and how has my body possibly been in it for 10 years? (laughs) Cause like, that seems really scary when you think about it. It kind of, yeah, it kind of does. If you looked at, if you kind of looked at like a chart or plotted it, plotted it on a graph, what you'll find with our, our natural hormones, how they should be without any synthetic hormones involved is that during your period, your hormones are at their lowest, lowest point. And then as we enter the follicular phase and and we start to head towards ovulation, our estrogen levels start to rise. So it's mostly estrogen doing the work in the first half of your cycle. And then what happens after ovulation is your estrogen will plummet Mm -hmm. and progesterone starts to rise. So, so the hallmark of the luteal phase is progesterone. If you've ovulated ovulation is the only way that you make progesterone. So that that's what our luteal phase is, is it's characterized by these high levels of progesterone. So when you're on birth control, if we looked at a graph, it would be, so let's say that you're on like an oral birth control where you've got like three weeks of, of hormone containing pills and then a placebo, a fourth placebo week. So what happens is during those three weeks, as soon as you take that first pill, it, it, so what it, what it does is actually shuts down your own hormonal functioning. So stops communication between the brain and the ovaries and just replaces all of that with synthetic hormones. So we get, um, a surge of estradiol, synthetic estrogen and progestin, which is not the same thing as your normal, as your natural progesterone. So it just like shoots up and then it stays the, it stays the exact same until you take your first placebo pill and then they just plummet and you have your withdrawal bleed. So having a period on birth control is only withdrawing from synthetic hormones. So it's, it's just kind of like an up and then an over and then just a crack. It's not a real period. It's not a, yeah, it's not a real period. It's a withdrawal bleed. And I I even hate to like, I even like hate to say this, but it's, it's very true. So like being on birth control, a lot of people will say that it mimics being pregnant, but it actually more naturally mimics menopause than anything else. Um, because we've just shut down, we just shut down what our hormones do naturally and we're just replacing it. Um, so that's, I mean, that's kind of like staying in that one phase as we've got estrogen, progesterone, both at very controlled levels while you're taking the pill through the entire phase until you take your first placebo and it just drops off. Oh my gosh. So the first thing you literally said, like your brain and your ovaries stop communicating. And that already yeah. just sounds so alarming to me. I literally was like, <laughs> they do what? And second, I feel like if, if your body, so your hormones aren't just pregnancy related, like right. your hormones, the, the, the hormones are lack thereof. If you're on birth control has to be affecting a multitude of other things in your body. 
Yeah, so a great example of this is progesterone. Um, so a lot of people think like, well, progesterone is the pregnancy hormone. And it's, it's way more than that. So progesterone is anti-stress. Um, it is anti-aging. That's why like a lot of women when they're pregnant have like that glow, that like pregnancy glow. It's because progesterone is like anti-aging. It's very youthful. Um, it also helps us better, um, better utilize um, glucose and better utilize thyroid hormones. So thyroid hormone and progesterone go hand in hand. So it's not just for fertility. Um, and I think a lot of women think like, well, I don't need to ovulate that because I'm not trying to get pregnant, but ovulation is the only way that we make progesterone and progesterone is what's going to offset and counter the effects of estrogen. So they work in balance with each other. So if you don't have any progesterone or you have really low progesterone, you're more likely to have really high estrogen and all of the symptoms from having high estrogen, the really painful cycles, the cramps, the clots with your periods, the, the periods mm. that last 11 days, um, you bring your change of clothes with you everywhere you go, like that kind of thing. Uh, so we need to be making progesterone to offset those effects. Yeah. And I also don't want this. I, I absolutely don't want this to come off at all. Like we are like, stop taking birth control. Cause like right. I said earlier, like, I think it's so important that we have the options like it's so important and it is empowering but I just think that like something as simple simple as like knowing what you're getting into like yes. why don't we like you yeah. know so yeah. I really appreciate that you're talking about this with me do you do you have any opinion regarding like if, if I were to come off birth control I'll even use my, I, I'm not saying like if someone were to because it's me I want to <laughs> like what, what is your opinion on like quitting cold turkey or like preparing your body to come off of it I prefer a preparation. Um, I prefer like a good, like three months of really good nourishment before you transition off of birth control, just because of the deeper effects that it has on the body that we often like don't know about. And, and I will agree with you. Like I am all for, if you feel good on birth control and it works for you and you love it, like by all means, like do your thing. But I am very much about informed consent. Like we should know the deeper effects that it's going to have on the body, um, you know, and then allow you to make your decision from there. So most women, when they, when they go in to get on birth control, their doctor will warn them like, Hey, this can increase your risk for developing blood clots, um, you know, increase your risk for stroke and breast cancer and things like that. Um, those conversations are not always had, but we also are not aware of post-birth control rebound syndrome. Um, we're not aware of post-pill PCOS, which happens quite a bit. Uh, we're not aware uh, of the way that it's impacting not only our natural sex hormones, but also how it's altering our brain chemistry, how it's altering our metabolism, how it is, um, you know, uh, uh, suppressing thyroid hormone and downregulating what's happening with thyroid hormones. A lot of women um, who are on birth control down the road may end up with hypothyroidism. There's a big connection there. Um, so I, I'm just, I'm all for informed consent, like know what it's going to do for your body. And if you still decide to be on birth control, amazing, because there are so many ways that we can prep your body while you're still on birth control. Um, we actually have a course that's coming out. It's called balance after birth control. Um, and so mm. it's going to walk you through those steps of like, how do we prepare the body for that transition off? Um, I was someone who, uh, 
I don't want to say quit cold turkey, but I only had like a month of prep under my belt. And thankfully it went pretty smoothly there. We had a couple bumps in the road with like major hormonal acne for a while, but like every person is different. You know, some people get off of birth control cold turkey and they're totally fine, but I usually recommend a prep period just because of, of the things that are happening on a deeper level. So. And the prep period looks like diet and just extra nourishment, extra nutrition to yeah, support so- your body in the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So minerals are a big one. Nutrient density is a huge one. So looking at things like grass-fed beef liver, oysters, you know, well-rounded protein intake, but also looking at um, really supporting your liver really, really well, because your liver is kind of like your battery pack. It's, it's, it's responsible for packaging up estrogen so that estrogen can be excreted out of the body through waste. And if the liver is like stressed out and in like overload mode with a lot of synthetic hormones that it has to process through, then we want really good liver support for that. Um, We also want really good support for the gut microbiome and for our gut health too. Again, that's how we eliminate estrogen. So having both of those things working properly, um, you know, making sure that our, our thyroid is very well supported. Um, so one thing that birth control does is it actually upregulates the release of thyroid binding globulin for the liver. So thyroid binding, meaning that it, it binds up our thyroid hormone and renders it unavailable for use. So we want to make sure that that piece is also supported. So looking at nourishment, nutrient density minerals, sleep, stress management, um, kind of all of those pieces of picture. When you went off birth control, did you notice any changes in your personality? I did. Um, and I didn't realize it until I got off of birth control. Um, but like hindsight is always 2020. So when I look back on how I felt on birth control, I felt very flat. Like I didn't, there were no like major ups and downs in my mood. And I just kind of felt I don't want to say numb, but that's like the best word that I have. So just very like kind of flat and almost apathetic. And then when I got off of birth control, all of a sudden it was like, like my mood felt more, my feelings and my emotions felt more intensified. Um, so I, I did notice a, a shift that way. Oh my gosh. I feel like my emotions, like I know they're there, they're in my brain, but they're not in my body right now. If that makes yeah. sense. Like, yeah. especially with the past week, Like, I know I'm angry and I know I'm sad, but like, and I feel like I've wanted it to like come up and come out and it hasn't. And I've been actually wondering, like, is this my birth control? And I feel like I I've been in for so long, like a phase, like, I feel like I find it really hard to cry. And like, I, so I, I don't know if you know, like if that has any kind of direct correlation or if there's any blockages there, but I think that's like the number one most appealing part of going off of it. Like, I just want to like feel, I want everything to like flow as it's meant to, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, um, there is a connection. Um, they've done, there was a study, it was done in Denmark, I think about, you know, being on birth control and then increased rates of depression and suicide. And they found a big correlation between those two. Um, so that's kind of interesting. And, and I have like a a lot of women, I know women personally who like, they're like, I started the pill and I went crazy, like very depressed, very anxious, like, you know, just mood swings all over the place. But on the other end of the spectrum, like I just felt completely flat and just very apathetic. And I think that's I mean, probably this. Yeah. Probably the same way that you're feeling where it's like, I know I have emotions, but they just <sighs> didn't feel like as intense as, as I think they should. Yeah, totally. And I also think that if the intense emotions that, you know, you are having now, now that you're not on birth control, that's another thing that's like, 
I don't want to call it vilified, but it like is um, in our society. It, it's something that discredits us. Mm-hmm. And it, I, I guess like the logical male mind, it's like really, really hard to like wrap your head around. And it seems like yeah. it, but it, but it's such an, I, I want to get to the point in society where like, we can all feel our emotions and know that it's very human and that I know I do too. It is. It's very, it's very human to feel and to have emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you're into human design at all, but oh my um, gosh, we did but- an episode about human design oh, a few okay. weeks ago. Yeah. I love human design. So I'm an emotional projector. Um, and so like, I am meant to like feel my feelings deeply and move through those kinds of things. And mm-hmm. I I agree. I think, you know, especially for women, the conversation is very like, well, you're just emotional, you know, or you're too emotional. Uh And it's like, well, what does too mean? You know, if I'm Mm -hmm. too emotional, then, you know, there's, you know, other things going around on social media of like, go find less, you know, because we should be able to have those things and feel those things, especially as women. Absolutely. Um, we're closing in on the one hour mark, so I don't want to keep you much longer. I so appreciate you taking the time out of your day. And I so appreciate the fact that you are doing this work because the the more empowered, informed women we have in the world, society can only follow that. And and it's not even just the women, like the women will share their knowledge with their husbands and their brothers and their, their male friends, you know? So it's just such, it's such great work that you're doing. And this is such important information. And that's what I love about this podcast. Cause I feel like we're having like the discussions that I wish I could like go to work and have, and like, these should just be like the conversations we're having, but it's not, but we have this space. So it's fine. Yes. Please tell everyone where they can find you and how they can work with you. Yeah. So if you want to follow along, Instagram is probably the best place to connect with me. I'm still figuring TikTok out. I love it and it's fun, <laughs> but like, I'm not super savvy at it yet. Um, I don't even know how to direct message people on TikTok. So <laughs> Instagram is probably going to be the best place. Um, my handle is at Casey.goins. It's just my name with a period in the middle. Same handle on TikTok as well. Um, we have a lot of different, a lot of different ways that uh, you can be in our world and in my space if that calls to you and if that resonates with you. Um, we've got, you know, everything from like mini master classes to big group programs to one-on-one. So there's something for everybody. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what I love about this space is you can kind of come in at the level that feels really good for you. Yes. And this is also a great example of how social media can be a blessing because <laughs> you are probably working with people that you've never met in real life. Totally. Yeah. Everyone. (laughs) So, so thank you so much for what you're doing and thank you so much for being here today. 